This is Robert from Twin Peaks, and you're listening to Inspirado Projecto. Got a light? Good day. It is the second day of 2019. Welcome to 2019. You have officially entered the future. We are going to be given Scott Ryan phone call right now he is the uh, creator of Blue Rose Magazine a Twin Peaks Twin Peaks Magazine Hey, Scott. This is Kurt Clendenin. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Good, thank you. Welcome to 2019. I know. I never thought I'd make it, but I'm here. So, I was looking online. You're, so, your magazine, it's been around three years now? Yes. Yes, and we're just starting our third year. And what, what was the initial... Like, did you read Wrapped in Plastic? The only other magazine that I knew about that existed that had to do with Twin Peaks was Wrapped in Plastic, which I thought was a very inspirational magazine. Um, Had you read any of those? Well, of course I have, yeah. I mean, Wrapped in Plastic meant everything to a Twin Peaks fan in the 90s. And I was lucky to be at a Twin Peaks function, and John Thorne was there. And this was about one year before... Twin Peaks was coming back. We didn't even know Twin Peaks was coming back. So it must have been about 2014, 2015. And I met John and I went up to him and I said, hey, I want to start a Twin Peaks magazine. Let's do this. And he said, what, are you crazy? Like, no one cares about Twin Peaks. You know, no, I would never do that. And I was like, oh, well, at least I tried, you know. (laughs) And then a year later, they announced Twin Peaks was coming back. And by then, I'd become friends with John Thorne, who was one of the co-creators along with Craig Miller of Wrapped in Plastic. And I called him and I said, John, Twin Peaks is coming back. I am starting a Twin Peaks magazine with or without you. I need an answer right now. Are you in or are you out? And he said, I'm in. And I was like, got him. (laughs) And that's how the Blue Rose was born. Wow, that is so exciting. It's so cool you were able to join forces with uh, with the teammates who uh, put together Wrapped in Plastic and you just continued to you know, move on with that. I mean, it's fantastic, too, that Twin Peaks Season 3 just happened to unfold right at the same moment that you had been you know, contemplating this. Well, I really just thought it was a good idea. I loved it. I understand why it you know, faded away for John and Craig. They had done it for 13 years. The internet came out. Everyone had a podcast. Everything was free. No one wanted to pay for anything. And I think they had just sort of had their fill. But I felt like in the 10 to 15 years that there was no Wrapped in Plastic, that, you know, society sort of switched back where now people realize that it was important to have something in print and uh, hold something in your hand instead of it just being out there on the internet. Yeah, it's fun to underline stuff and dog-ear the pages. and uh, um, Yeah, it's really cool to be able to have a magazine. I mean, I can only imagine the kind of effort that it takes uh, to, to put even out one issue I mean, all the things that are involved. I wouldn't even know where to even start with something like that. How would you even know where where to start? <laughs> well, I didn't. And um, I'll, t- I'm gonna, I'll tell you this story because I haven't got to tell it in a long time, and I love it. So we didn't tell anyone that we were going to do the magazine. I had this crazy idea that we would just, like, get the whole thing done. And then on February 24th, which is Twin Peaks Day, because that was the day that they found Laura Palmer's body. Oh, yeah. So that's, you know, that's Twin Peaks Day. So I said, let's just dump it into the world like a Beyonce record on February 24th. And 
So, because I, I didn't know how to do it, and I just had this idea, we'll, we'll do it as a Kindle version on Amazon, because I had written an ebook the year before, so I at least knew how to get an ebook out. And I said, you know, we'll put it there, and if it goes well, then that'll raise the money to do it in print. But I had also um, started a website for the magazine in preparation for it. You know, I was just kind of playing. I thought, oh, we'll put this up here, I'll say issue one. Well, Twin Peaks fans, you can't pull nothing past them. Somebody had looked on Amazon and found that the Blue Rose was a new magazine by John Thorne from Wrapped in Plastic, and they tweeted it out and said, Wrapped in Plastic is back, here's their website. And money started to pour into our PayPal account. People were ordering it. I didn't know. I didn't have a distributor. I didn't know how to print anything. I we didn't write it yet. Whoa. We didn't. We we. I mean, we had an idea. So we had. We kind of knew what we were going to do, but it wasn't done. I didn't even know if we could do it. And money just like my email was exploding that whole day. (laughs) Um, I worked from home for at that point for a um, cable company. I, I don't anymore, so I can say this. I just closed my laptop and, like, said to hell with work. Like, I had people emailing me, and it was, like, crazy. It was, like, one of those viral experiences. And that's when I was like, well, we got to do it now. Like, we're going to print because <laughs> there's money in our account. Either that or we just committed fraud. Wow. So it was a very, very exciting beginning. Wow, that's so exciting. I mean, that's like the clearest message from the universe that you ever could possibly receive to go to go forward with this idea. Yeah, I mean, I just believe that Twin Peaks fans wanted this because I knew how much I loved Wrapped in Plastic and getting it was always exciting. And uh, so it, it's been a thrill to do the Blue Rose for the last three years. And so have you been able to successfully turn this into like your main job? Um, yeah, I also do other writing, so it's not enough. This alone isn't enough. And honestly, we are, we're not in that excitement phase anymore. Now we're in the, baby, please don't leave me. Baby, please, please subscribe just one more year. Come on, remember when you loved me? <laughs> so I'm, we're sort of in that phase right now. We, we are definitely not on the up phase. Um, we are we are on the come on i used to be so pretty and we'd go out and you brought me flowers but um i i also this year wrote a book about david letterman and that has had a little bit of success so i i balance my writing between a couple different things oh that's cool i mean i'm thinking it's puzzling to me that you're you're even trying to get people to get that magazine because uh as soon as twenty, uh, as soon as Twin Peaks three came out, uh, I mean, anytime I'm going back on a Twitter, I'm seeing another meme about it, and I'm like, going, oh my god, wow, what a great, you know, someone <laughs> finds some nugget, and they're going, they're comparing it to like some little tiny picture that they found in season three, and they're com- and they're comparing it to something that they saw in season one, and you're going, dude, that's crazy, that that's framed the same way as that photo, and this person is saying this, and this person's saying that, and you're going, whoa, is this, you know, is this one of those moments where the 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 universes are parallel and they cross each other just for that little moment, and I mean, it, it's incredible, it's like. That that's it's the show that just keeps giving. I mean, it's like uh, just when you think you solved something, there's another little thing in there that you feel like you solved, and um, having your magazine out there and you being able to get the interviews that you're getting, uh, I think would just excite the hell out of fans, knowing that they get to hear these special behind-the-scenes stories that you know they wouldn't be able to hear anywhere else. Thank you for that. I, I That's what I hope. And, um, you know, I think it's just like anything that when it's new, everyone is really excited about it. And then you just naturally take it for granted. And, you know, we do get people all the time sending tweets or emails saying, well, why don't you get David Lynch in the magazine? Or have you thought about uh, trying to get this, per-, you know, <laughs> and it, get Grace Zambrisky? Well, I don't know David Lynch. Like, you try to get David Lynch. <laughs> you know, it's it's really hard to get these people. We work really hard to get them and then make the time 
to get something new from them as well. So it is, um, it's Herculean what we do, but we love it, and it that makes it worthwhile. How do you find your, how do you get your people? How do you find them? Mostly blackmail pictures, and that is, it yeah, always works. it's just a lot of, uh, a lot of blackmail. Um, I go to a lot of events, so I do a lot of traveling. And, you know, if you meet them in person and hand them a copy and they see that the magazine is in color and that, you know, it's full of words, not just pictures. Yeah. We really take this seriously. I think then they're more interested in doing it. Yeah, I think that's cool that you got the visual aid right there to show to him and go, hey, this is, you know, this is your possible future self uh, <laughs> in a magazine like this. And uh, how many pages do you, do you usually go for? We do 24 pages in a regular issue. Uh, last year, we did this mammoth issue called The Women of Lynch, where we did 40 essays about 40 female characters written by 10 female writers. And there was so much information that that we extended eight extra pages to 32 pages. And um, that about broke us financially. So we're not going to do that again. (laughs) But we try to stick around 24 pages. Do the, I mean, you know, I can imagine for something like that, um, the people that you're putting into this magazine, I mean, one would hope that they'd be out there promoting it too. You know, like, hey, go out and read this magazine. You know, I wrote this essay or... Um, I got this interviewed in here. Uh, are you know? Are these people? <laughs> it may sound like a strange question, but are these people promoting the the like the magazine that they're in? Well, the writers do. I mean, the the people who write for us are very supportive, and they we we only take people who are pure of heart. So. You know, if somebody's first question to me is how much do you get paid to be in the magazine, you, you're in the wrong place. Like, there's 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 not loads of money in print media right now. <laughs> yes, yeah. you know, that's just not where it's at. Um, some of the celebrities do promote, and some don't. You know, it's it's so interesting how my life and my children's lives could be changed by one celebrity just hitting retweet it could it could change you know i i tell some of my kids like hey sorry you can't go to college because they didn't retweet daddy today so that's right um, sorry kid you have to start your own magazine right (laughs) um i mean it does the social media aspect of it is huge but we've been really lucky like john piricello who played chad in season three oh yeah like he he always takes a picture, a selfie of himself with his magazine and puts it on Instagram. Amy Shields, who played Candy, she will always retweet us, always say nice things. I, I got to have breakfast with her, and I wouldn't say we're friends. I'm not going to call Amy Shields up to co- you know come over and watch old episodes of Seinfeld, but she she's very supportive of us. She actually even wrote an article for us, so... We, we do have a lot of celebrity. Uh, Charlotte Stewart is another one who played Betty Briggs and Mary X in Eraserhead. She is a huge supporter of us. So we, we have been lucky. I just imagine it's like helping put together, like, you know, when bands put out vinyls, when they put out a vinyl version of their, rather than just releasing it on iTunes, it's like there's just something really special about that, you know, something you could just... <laughs> it's just something really cool about that. And I would think like being a part of a magazine is a similar experience like that uh, because it is such yeah, a rarity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I love vinyl too. I'm the same way. Like I want to hear the music on vinyl. I mean, my dream for 2019 is that they release Mulholland Drive on vinyl. I would love to have that. I, to have Rebecca Del Rio singing... Um, Jolando. I mean, that'd be so amazing on vinyl. I have the live version on David Lynch music tribute. But anyway, don't get me started talking on vinyl. We'll, we'll fill up the tape. <laughs> I, had a, I had a feeling you, you probably were, were someone who uh, collected vinyl because I think, you know, there's a certain um, 
I don't know. I think sort of there's there's that Venn diagram when people like to, you know, are in into the magazines, are into the cassette players, are into the, you know, into the vinyl. They, there's a, there's a Venn diagram there between those those kinds of minds. I think. Oh yeah, I, I definitely have no place in this technology age. Uh, I hate social media. I hate doing it. I do it all the time. I mean, I, I have to tweet the magazine out, and I have to. I call it Insta puke, but uh, I have to use Instagram. But I hate. I abhor it. It's not my style. Where now? You're saying you go to a lot of events. I'm imagining that if you were to go to. Uh, you know, and I'm uh, again. I'm uh, like <laughs> you've probably thought about all this stuff, but I'm I'm just imagining like the the Twin Peaks Festival or like uh, any of these comic book conventions where you can uh, uh, rent a table. You know, um, you know, maybe uh, by renting a table for I don't know two or three hundred bucks for for that for those few days and having your magazines there and talking with Twin Peaks fans and knowing that you're in locations where Twin Peaks fans will be or heck even if you hear that some uh, some of the actors will be at a particular uh, uh, convention and knowing that they'll be there already and you go okay cool maybe I'll set up a table here you know because I already know that they're going to be Twin Peaks fans hanging out at the convention um, I, I mean are these some of the things that you're that you've been you've been uh, utilizing yeah, the uh, the Twin Peaks UK festival that's held every year in London by and run by Lindsay Bowden. We go there every year. We're actually a sponsor of the UK Fest, and she lets us sell the magazines there, which is very kind of her. And um, we do well there. That helps. <clears throat> uh, as far as conventions go. I wanted to do that, and I'm, I'm, you know, it's. I'm sure the guy laughed at me, but like I called Comic Con when they were doing a Twin Peaks thing, and I said, "Hey, I want to get a table," and the guy was like, "It takes eight years to get a table." Oh man! (laughs) Oh my god! He's, he's like, "I'll put you on the list." So I'm sure by the time the magazine is done and over with, I'll get a call one day, and I'll be like. Hey, your table's ready at Comic-Con. So I'm on the list, but it's really hard to get into those. I mean, they're just all booked up. And so I have tried, but it, we've never been successful. It's crazy. I got a friend who, who just started, uh, you know, do, he, would, he would draw a lot of fan art and stuff. And he started going out to these conventions and setting up uh, what the, you know, what's called Artist Alley. And so he would get a table over there. And little by little, people just kept recognizing him because he would go to these different, different, um, comic conventions and uh and he started getting more and more recognized and stuff like that and i was like wow that that is that is really cool that you know they'd be like oh i saw you at this convention or i saw you at that convention and um it was just a very helpful you know being at the epicenter of so much so many just geeks you know who just want to dive deeper into those cultures um it really helped him out a lot you know it just it helped bring a lot of notice to him and i could totally imagine something like that working you know, in your favor for Blue Rose Magazine. Um, now, do you guys do you guys have a podcast? I have the Red Room podcast, which I've been doing for about nine years. Um, obviously, with the name the Red Room, it's it's heavily Twin Peaks based, but we cover all of television. It's basically a television podcast, and so I've had a lot of the. You know, we kind of, like when we did the Women of Lynch, I had all the writers on, so we try to cross market that way as well. Oh, that's great! Yeah, that's awesome. That's that's very very helpful. Have you had any of your uh, people in the magazine? Have you had them on your podcast? Oh, certainly. Yeah, John Thorne's on a lot, and a lot of times not talking about Twin Peaks. Like I said, we we really don't cover Twin Peaks. I do it with my brother-in-law, Josh Minton, who's actually writing a Twin Peaks book right now as well so you can see we're you know we're all very much into Twin Peaks but we cover other shows like Mrs. Maisel or The Sopranos we might do a show we might count down the top 100 best episodes of all times or so we mix it up so it's not you know it's a wider net but it somehow always comes back to Twin Peaks so uh, I was just re-watching Twin Peaks season 3 the other day I started I was up to uh, episode um Oh geez, where they're out there in the streets and they're sh- and the and the crazy guy, he's like, "I move car for you," and then he just <laughs> and uh, he has the yeah, Uzi the, the and uh, yeah, yeah, and 
so that, that was the episode I was just recently watching, and it's so great when you rewatch this stuff, and um, and you. You know, whenever you can see something from the perspective of having seen it already, and then you go, oh, now there's this extra thing now that I can see that I didn't see before. Um, how often do you watch, um, how often do you rewatch Twin Peaks? Well, that's kind of funny. I actually have not watched season three since it ended. And the reason was, is I watched every episode probably four times that that week because we were doing podcasts on it we also did an episode guide in issues three and four and we were trying to connect things to the original series so I had just seen it so many times uh, but my I, it, it is what I want to watch it in 2019 so I sort of took a year off of of watching it but like you know you just said that little bit and I knew what scene you were talking about so it's it's still pretty fresh in my head um man it's uh it's really cool especially after you read the uh the two books the final dossier and uh the archivist um the you know the secret history of twin peaks it it's it's so cool to look at it through that perspective too and you're like oh okay that's why that's going on and oh now i know why this person is is living up in the mountains or why this person's doing this and um it's just so fun to know that <laughs> the town of twin peaks has limited uh, limitless uh amounts of stories that can you know pop out of there and it just seems like like sometimes i think about what would happen if lynch kind of allowed fans to like if we wanted to see a season four, season five, you know, if he was open to ideas and like, okay, I might not have too many ideas right now as to what I want to do for season four, but what ideas do you guys got, you know? <laughs> and then just to see if you were to open up <laughs> those floodgates, what kind of crazy directions that it could go in. Yeah, I mean, it is a world that that can move and shape. And what I think is really true about Twin Peaks is it's what you bring to it. You know, there are people like you who are saying, oh, I'm going back and I'm finding these these connections. And then there's other people who wanted something so specific from season three that they're not open to the ideas that David Lynch and Mark Frost were trying to give to us. So I think it's been interesting to see how polarizing uh, season three has been for some people. Yeah. Listen, I don't have much time, but... Do you feel like you're going out of your gourd? Are you, do you have the cabin fever? Have you run out of Netflix to watch? If, has the thought occurred, hey, you know what? I can make funny stuff. I've been watching TikTok. I've been watching all the social networks and seeing what kind of creativity is coming out. I could create that. Hey, you know what? I wish they made a podcast about this. Well, you know what? You can make your own podcast. Go to anchor.fm. Go to it, please, right now. Make your own podcast. It's the lazy person's way to make stuff. You can make little segments. Uh, you can put music on there, found sounds, babies laughing, neighbors throwing frisbees, uh, uh, your friends playing guitar. Ah, it's so good. Anchor.fm, please get this and find me. Inspirato Projecto, let's be friends. Okay? Anchor.fm. What do Gregorian chants, Indian, medieval, and 20th century minimalist music have in common? The drone, a part of musical history for thousands of years. It continues to entrance us today. Now, eight sound artists have transmuted their drones into an immersive cinematic experience. Join us for the Drone Cinema Film Festival on Saturday, January 19th at the Highways Performance Space in Santa Monica. A mesmerizing evening with cinematic tapestries woven from the drones of light and sound. For more, visit highwaysperformance.org. Um, which is so funny because it just echoes the past all over again because when Twin Peaks first came out, it was the same thing. It's like you're on one side of the coin, you're on the other side of the coin. Either you're watching it or you're not watching it. Either you're discussing it or you're just like, ah, that's a weird show. And um, it's I – was, I was reading that um, – oh, gosh. I just read this really great quote the other day where it said something like, Twin Peaks fans thought that David Lynch was going to give them – you know, another another Twin Peaks season, but what they got was a David Lynch movie. <laughs> and I, was, right. I read that, I'm like, that's amazing. Like, what a great way of putting it. 
because it was just just knowing that he had carte blanche just to create whatever he wanted to create and however he wanted to create it man that just excited the hell out of me knowing that he could just go in any direction he wanted to go in yeah i mean i think that there is a lot of truth to that i think it is a lynch film but I love David Lynch. I mean, Lost Highway and Mulholland Drive and Wild at Heart and Straight Story. I love, love those movies. So I think it, it's what you look for. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, and we got a lot of the highlighted points that I think that Twin Peaks fans were excited about. Like, uh, uh, you know, when... When uh, Nadine finally releases Big Ed Hurley from his uh, <laughs> from his cage, so to speak, like you know, go off and be with Norma, like, dude, that was so cool. That that was like a moment that it was like, what the heck? This is crazy. This is happening. Or when uh, 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 Coop finally wakes up out of being Dougie, you know, and now he's like, I am the FBI, and you're going, all right, cool. What's he? What's what's going to happen here? And um, God, it was just. And that's that's what's interesting too. My buddy Jeff and I will just get together and we'll go up to a diner and talk three or four hours and just geek out about about Twin Peaks. Um, and you know, basically. So, what is? Time. Tell me something that really that you really love about season three. Like, what what is something that you think about? Well, oh, I love the big vortex. I like the vortex that uh, Gordon sees up in the sky, and I like the more spiritual. Not that not that Twin Peaks wasn't uh, spiritual before, but I feel like there there was even more of it this time. It felt like there were, you know, they dove more into parallel universes, and I love the fact that they wrapped uh, Fire Walk with me into it. Because when I, I I didn't see the series when it came out. I saw I saw Fire Walk with me first. That was the first introduction to Twin Peaks, and wow. then I went back and then I saw. The, um, I rented it well, back then it was VHS uh, I rented those and I watched it so I saw it f- already from the perspective of knowing who killed Laura Palmer and it's it's tricky because I, 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 I wish I could you know sometimes hit a reset button and go okay let's now let's just you know, if there's a way where I could remain ignorant of seeing Firewalk with me and then see see those first two seasons again and then see Firewalk with me. Um, but I remember a lot of people were angry about Firewalk with me when it came out. And I, I guess it didn't have that effect on me because it was the first thing that I was introduced to. And I think that's what excited the hell out of me when I saw in Twin Peaks Season 3 when they, they weave that in there and you're going, wow, dude, that's so kick-ass. It was like, um, uh, well, of course, having Carl... Carl in there again, which was was yeah. awesome. Um, and Log so Lady. My, oh, yeah. God, poor Log Lady. I uh, totally agree with you. Um, Firewalk with me is my favorite part of Twin Peaks. So if you know, if you lumped the original series and then you had Firewalk with me and then you have season three, my favorite is Firewalk with me. I think that is the purest Twin Peaks and the Laura Palmer story is the story that I love best. More so than Cooper's journey, I guess I'm more on Laura's journey. So I think that also has a difference on how you feel about season three, because I feel like season three is a lot more like Firewalk with me than the original series. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. It reminds me of like the the close up of the bugs in the grass and uh, Blue Velvet, where you're like, okay, we're really going to show you all the all the shadow. All the shadows of this town. We're gonna really, we're gonna really gonna dig, dig in there and show you all the, all the stuff that's been kind of brewing beneath the surface. Um, what are some of your favorite aspects of just Twin Peaks in general? Well, I think that my, I I just love the convenience store. I love the idea behind it. I loved all that stuff in season three about when you get to see that wallpaper from Laura's dream and Firewalk with me, that excited me so much. Uh, as far as the original series, I've always loved episode 29, which was the last episode in season two, where Cooper's going back and forth between the red room. I guess I love the, the whole red room that, and that concept behind it. And I like that you don't know. I mean, that's what I think I love best, that there aren't answers, which, you know, earlier you had mentioned Mark Frost's final dossier book, and I actually hate that book because it gives all these answers, like it takes all the mystery away, and I'm like, did we need that? I like, 
I actually don't even acknowledge that book. That book, does, I read it once and I'm like, I'm going to forget about this because I don't want to know the answers. I want to know the mystery. Yeah, it is a lot of fun just having the questions. Did you read uh, the, uh, the History of Twin Peaks? Did you read that other book? Yeah, and I like that book a lot. Uh, uh, I mean, the work that he put into that first book... I mean, I've, like I said, I've written books. That was a ton of work, and I, I really enjoy the secret history, but I just, the final dossier just does not feel true to me. What, how long does it usually take for you to put together an issue of uh, Blue Rose? Um, we do it every four months. No, every three months, because we do four a year. Yeah. So we're really working on it nonstop. Like, right now, we are prepping, you know, we're in the midst of doing issue nine. We have all the articles. We know what they're going to be. We just got to figure out what's going to fit. And then while I'm doing that, issue 10 is going to be a concept-ish idea. And so I'm trying to find people who can do that, while issue 11 is going to be the men of Lynch. So I've been emailing with the male writers who are going to cover the 40 essays about 40 male characters and then this morning someone was just asking me about doing a back cover and I said well all we have is issue 12 left within that year and I can't think about 12 yet because it's 11 months away and I got to do these other things so it's it, it's like a treadmill it never ends wow so you've got a lot of a lot of a lot of juggling going on a lot of plates spinning. Yeah, I mean, we really have to. And, and I feel bad because so many times someone will contact and be like, oh, you know, can you do this article about this? Because there's this event in two weeks. And can I get this in here? And I'm like, um, yeah, we're looking for articles for November 2019 now. Because we have, you know, because it's print. So it takes a while and we have to design it. And you got to approve the pictures. And we got to be sure that Showtime and, and Sabrina Sutherland, who's the executive producer, she she keeps a close eye on what we do. And we don't want to upset her because that's like Lynch's right-hand man. So there's there's many pieces to this to be sure we don't get sued either. So Yeah, how do you go about doing that? How do you t- tiptoe through the tulips as it were? How do you how do you do that without getting you know I just getting- use my charm as best I can. Um I guess both of the things were kind of fortuitous, I suppose. One thing was I have friends in LA who I meet up with to do a Twin Peaks meetup once a year. And so when we were just getting, this was again before Twin Peaks was going to start, but we were prepping the magazine, I went to one of these things and Sabrina Sutherland came because she knew one of the people who were there. So I met her and I could say, hey, I'm going to do this magazine, you know, can we switch uh, contact information? And she was just really helpful and she's always been very supportive and And then another crazy thing, I went to a television festival down in Austin, the ATX Festival, and I was wearing my Laura Palmer t-shirt. And the lady that I sat next to, we just started to talk. She ended up being Showtime's publicity person. Whoa. Whoa. I know, isn't that crazy? And I mean, she's now I know she sat next to me because I was wearing Laura Palmer. But she just started to talk to me about Twin Peaks. And then I said, oh, well, you don't want to talk to me because I'll talk your ear off. I do the Blue Rose magazine. And she was like, are you Scott Ryan? Because we've been keeping an eye on Whoa. you guys. Whoa! What and isn't that crazy? And I'm like... And so I got her information, and she helped me get a lot of publicity photos. So this whole thing is sort of magical. Everything, you know, has just been lucky to be someone who has really no contacts and just a passion to go to things and show up at places. Wow, that is incredible. Do you, now, do you have... Yeah, uh, it really is kind of crazy. Do you have stickers or any buttons or any of that kind of stuff to be able to kind of leave out there in the world as... Uh... I like to think of those things as like mobile billboards. Yeah, we we really haven't done that kind of stuff. Uh, we do have business cards, so I usually take business cards with me and try to pass them out. But we haven't had a whole lot of luck with that. Like, I haven't seen 
Um, it's weird. I don't know how people find out about us and if I ever drive sales or not. I really don't know. I mean, it's it's just a very strange business. I think a lot of it just comes from throwing so much stuff up on social media and appearing on podcasts and trying to get out to Twin Peaks people to say, you know, if you want there to be coverage on this, then you kind of have to vote with your dollars because we're not a corporation. We're just we're just regular people doing this out of our basement. Yeah, that's true. I'm thinking um I'm thinking one of those companies like uh who are those guys? Are they called Funko? Is that who I'm thinking of? The yeah, ones that make uh-huh. like the little Twin Peaks guy? Like I'm thinking even if there were see I'm thinking you probably don't have ads in your magazine right no advertisements we really don't no we really don't we would i mean if if people contact us but we don't drive it as that way um because i really don't even know what we would charge and i think you know i i charge like 35 dollars an ad which is kind of nothing but and then now we've sort of just given it up trying to do ads all together because we have so much content that we're trying to get out there. Oh, right. right. It, it almost takes up space, and um, we probably should do it more, but we don't. <laughs> now, with all the different Facebook groups and pages out there and all the different forums and stuff like that, do you, uh, I'm imagining those would be really good places to, to you know plant the little seeds of the magazine into. Oh, yeah, and I mean, I'm sure that everyone hates me. I mean, there's no doubt when they see my name, they're like, oh, this guy again. <laughs> we get it. You have another issue coming out because I am posting all the time about it. Um, I think the promos that you have, I was looking at your promos. The uh, They're really put together really well. Do you edit those? Yes, yeah, and we... Um, we could try to film them when we are out and about, like we did one at the Palmer House. I'm lucky enough to know the people who own the Palmer House, and so we go and visit them, and, and uh, they let me film a promo there, which was fun. And I try to make them silly. I sort of have a uh, jackass persona <laughs> online, and, and I, I keep that uh, alive and well. Well, that's good. God, it's so cool that you've met so many of these folks throughout the years. And I can imagine that, you know, a lot of times when people contribute to to something, a lot of times they want to tell others about, you know, oh, I had a great experience with this person. You ought to check them out, too. Um, I imagine that's probably happening with, with some of the actors that you've interviewed or writers of Twin Peaks. You know, I'm sure you've – have you been able to get a hold of other um, – uh, you know, other subjects that way, other people that way. Yeah, and it, and it is really nice. We we actually have a mystery interview that I can't reveal yet that's going to be in our upcoming issue nine with an original cast member. And when I approached this person, they said they that the, all the cast knows about the Blue Rose and says... What? That's incredible! And, yeah, that was very nice to hear. I mean, that's 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 really cool. And my dream was always to interview Cheryl Lee, who's Laura Palmer. I always wanted to meet her, and I got to do that last year, and her interview was in issue eight. And people are saying it's the best Cheryl Lee interview they had ever read, which means a lot to me because I had really waited since 92 when I saw Firewalk With Me to talk about her performance in that movie because it's just unbelievable. Oh, man. I watched and rewatched that movie so many times, man. I just bawled my eyes out every time, man. Every single time. Like, I felt so, so bad for seeing what Laura was going through and seeing her decline. And, like, oh, God, man. It just would hit me every time I watched it. Every time I watched it. And she's there, and then you, she sees the angel up there, and Oh man, it's just uh, God. That must have been so cool to be able to interview her and to be able to talk to her about probably a lot of stuff that maybe people hadn't even asked her before. Yeah, and you know, we both cried in the interview three times. Wow! Um, you could see how much she suffered personally to make that film, but she. You know, it means something to her, and not 
You know, I tried to get her to talk about it as a piece of art and as a craft, as an actress, and she really won't. She only views it through the prism of there are girls who are abused in this world and their stories are not being told and these girls are silent. And that pain lives inside Cheryl Lee every day. And it's, you know, it, it was a heavy interview. It really was. I mean, she is, is like after I spent two and a half hours with her face to face, um, and after, I've always been amazed at her performance, but after meeting her, it's, it's not amazing anymore because she's that real. She's that deep. And I don't think she would do anything without putting her, her whole heart into it. She's an incredible person. That is just incredible, man. That is so cool. Who are some of the other actors and or actresses you'd like to uh, interview? I would love to interview Grace Zimbriski and Angelo Badalamente. I would say those are probably my one and two as far as male and female um, Interviews. The music of Twin Peaks is my favorite, more than the story, the directing, anything. I love the music. So to get to talk to Angelo, yeah, would would oh, be yeah. just incredible to me. Did you uh, did you read this? Is probably a silly question, but I'm. Did you read uh, the Secret Diary of Laura Palmer and the uh, Agent Cooper uh, My Life My Tapes? Oh yeah, I, and I actually I love them both, but I probably like Agent Cooper's book best out of all of the. Twin Peaks books. It was fun to read those books and then to go back and cross-reference them with the TV show and Firewalk with me. And every time, like you were saying with the music, every time I'd read those, I immediately I had my Twin Peaks soundtrack and I had my Firewalk with me soundtrack, and I would just play those cassette tapes over and over and over and just get lost in that world and that music. Man, it it is. It's 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 astounding to to, to know that such. Uh, so many these kinds of sounds can pour through a, a person who just seems like they're channeling them. Like whenever you read about interviews with David Lynch and Angela Battlementi, Angelo's just like, oh yeah, he kind of gives me this idea and I just kind of close my eyes and I start creating something and David tells me to do this and I go and it's just, it, it seems like such a wonderful collaboration between those guys. Well, and I think the theme to Firewalk with me is the most perfect score to a movie because that opening song it sets the tone it's creepy it's got a weird uh synth sound but then there's this bass that's moving and to me the bass is the scariness of what twin peaks is about and then out of nowhere comes this trumpet that is all sex and you put that all together and you got Laura Palmer. And that's the theme of the movie. And you're only in the first minute of the movie. Like, Angelo's already done all the work for you. And um, I just, I love it. Do you have that vinyl, the Fire Walk With Me soundtrack? Because it is out now. No, I don't. I don't have it. I need to get a record player now that we're talking about it. Because um, <laughs> those are some of the items that I probably would be getting uh, if I had a record player. Like, those key... You know, the Firewalk With Me soundtrack, the Twin Peaks soundtrack, you know, those, um, God, any of that Angelo Battlementi, you know, I was so excited when I saw that the uh, Thought Gang finally came out with their <laughs> with their uh, album. I'm like, yeah, dude. I remember on Firewalk With Me with the, uh, um, oh, God, uh, Real Indication. The Real Indication. Oh, dude, when that was out, I, I scoured. I was constantly looking in the shelves. Okay, where's the Thought Gang, you know, album? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? <laughs> and, um and then, like, just finally, this thing was released, and it, and it's so awesome. I mean, it's like what twenty? How many years in the making? <laughs> Basically, it's right. been so long. So it's it's so great to see, you know. And then, like, to see Lynch's uh, 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 transition into becoming a musician, and then him putting out his own albums, and him doing music for for Twin Peaks season three. It's like, oh my god, it's incredible. Yeah, it's very exciting, and, you know, I never thought it would come back. In fact, I've got, like, seven years of my podcast saying, guys, Twin Peaks is never coming back. Get over it. <laughs> and then it, then it came back. I mean, I was totally surprised. I never considered that would happen. Well, kind of like what you were saying with the Blue Rose magazine, it's, it seems like that's kind of what... Uh 
in 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 a sort of way that's what Mark Frost and Lynch did. I remember that that when that tweet went out, when they both simultaneously sent out the tweet at the same time. At, what was it? That gum you like is coming back in style, or something like that is going to come right. back in style. Yep. And uh, and all of a sudden you're like, ah, is that does that mean what I think it means right there? We are currently listening to a song by Kim Cascone called In a Garden of Eden. While I read from the Welcome to Twin Peaks, an access guide to the town. And we're just going to flip through this here. Learn here. Let's let's go. Let's learn a few facts about some of our uh, inhabitants of Twin Peaks here on page 54. Uh, here's something about Big Ed's gas farm. Twin Peaks in the beginning. It is astonishing, but perhaps appropriate, that the present site of Twin Peaks was a billion or so years ago. The western edge, the coast of North America, and where Big Ed's gas farm now stands was then a coastal plain and beach, though it is unlikely sunbathing was allowed. Uh, so there's just a little map right here on the page, and it's, uh, it shows Big Ed's gas farm, shows the continental edge, and then underneath that it says 100 million years ago. Around 200 million years ago, the macro continent called Pangaea split up. North and South America moved away from Europe. The then west coast began moving further west, shoving the Pacific floor beneath it and creating from the collision granitic magma, some of which erupted in volcanic formation. Thus, most rock around Twin Peaks is metaphoric granite, gneiss, and schist, some of it more than two billion years old. So get to know Big Ed. Up here, there's a photo of him. Ed Hurley, born October 26, 1950. A most unlikely Scorpio and unaware of it. Big Ed is, is convinced his birthday is October 26. And he's right. He also is right about anything having to do with the American-built engines through the vagaries of human nature generally baffle and elude him. A graduate of Twin Peaks High, he enjoys a good cup of coffee and an intimate conversation at the Double R Diner. Bests. Beaver Fritters. The Passion Play. The odor of crankcase oil the Packard Timber Games. And beneath that, there's a photo of uh, Big Ed's gas farm with what looks like James Hurley down there. It says here, Big Ed's gas farm. This used to be the beach. So he mentioned something in there about the Passion Play. He likes the Passion Play. So we're going to go find the Passion Play. I'm going to look in the index here if they got one. Passion play is something that goes on in Twin Peaks. I'm curious if they touched on it or talked about it within Twin Peaks Season 3, because I think that would be pretty cool. Here we are, page 68. Here we are in the Garden of Eden talking about the Passion Play. Twin Peaks Passion Play. Twelve Douglas firs describe a circle. They appear strong enough to support 
the sky, and their collective age stretches back almost to the Pleistocene. You want the giants to speak, tell you of the amazing history running along their grain in which the never-ending quest is given substance. You feel close to the beginning. It is Glastonbury Grove, and you're standing in a part of Ghostwood National Forest and backdrop for Twin Peaks' pentannual passion play, parenthesis, every five years or so, unparenthesis. Of uncertain date and origin, the passion play continues to evolve and is a profoundly moving ceremony. While a precise day and time are never announced, if you're in town during the month of April and keep your eyes and ears open, you can follow the quiet exodus of the curious and converted out to Glastonbury Grove shortly after dark together around the twelve great firs. From the shadows, half a dozen cassocked figures emerge bearing sword, chrysanthemum, crucifix, and chalice. There appears the mysterious guardian at the gate. To this day, no one knows where the guardian comes from or why it appears. Mystery also surrounds the sponsors of the event, but rumors suggest the ultra-secret Bookhouse Boys. Lasting the entire night, dawn brings the ceremony's climax when sunlight obliterates darkness as good vanquishes evil. Skeptics may wonder what happens if the day dawns cloudy. In fact, in the entire recorded history of the ceremony, that has never occurred. Dawn of Twin Peaks' passion play has always been announced by sunlight. The next passion play will occur sometime in April 1992. No need to call. Just be there. Up on the left-hand side of this page is a picture of uh, what looks like Jesus... He's either got no pupils in his eyes, so his eyes are wide open, or his eyes are closed, which is awesome. It's both. Schrodinger's cat kind of situation here. This would actually be a good t-shirt. I'm already imagining... Ooh. Uh, so, underneath this photo, it says, The Passion Play is one of the mysteries of Twin Peaks. And then there's a green bar here that says events under that uh, is a picture of a tree which might be a Douglas fir tree uh, but the instead of like the trunk you know like the spine of the tree uh, it's a sword it, it is a sword and uh Part combination Eiffel Tower and sword. And then the tree, which may look like a pine tree, come, uh, emerges from the side of it. And then there's a big circle around it. So, the description under that says, Arm Patch of the Bookhouse Boys. This ultra-secret group of boys seems to sponsor the Passion Play. 